Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, it's cool. Um, what an entrance by you. Yeah, what, what a voice. God, all I did was stumble up to the stage. Yeah. That was like... Yes. Is that how you wake up in the morning? I have stumbled many times. Oh, I'm sure you, you know, have. In the old heels. <laughs> it is how I wake up in the morning. And, you know, because I'm a cabaret artist, so usually my shows are musical. And it just seems really weird to me that I wouldn't take the opportunity to uh, howl a Nina Simone song at everybody. So oh, there yeah. we are. Of course. And your voice is... Chef's well, kiss. Thank you very much. Amazing. Now, you're both here for the first time at the Edinburgh Festival, which yes. is exciting for both of you. This is also my first year performing here. Oh, very oh, cool. cool. I'm semi-local, but I'm based in London, but I grew up around here. Um, so how? I'll start with Jamie. How is the experience going for you so yeah, far? Yeah, it's been really fun so far. It's been great. I'm enjoying it. Um, I've got a nice house of comedians, which that's a risk, Kate, isn't it? You can get either good ones or bad ones, but I think I've got good ones this year. Yeah, so I, I'm living on my own. Fuck that. That's oh, can so I, wise. Is that okay? <laughs> Girl. I mean, I figured, but I didn't. I'm just checking. Is Listen, that okay? I wanted the theme tune of this podcast to be me going cunt, 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 cunt. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> that's why say. I moved to this country, yeah. so I could say cunt freely. Yeah. Yeah. Say whatever you want. All right. But when you get the Tory MPs on, that's you can <laughs> yeah. say. It might come in handy. Sorry if anyone... Well, actually, not, not that sorry. No, <laughs> well. no. You Fuck can speak that. freely. I'm a big proponent of free yeah, speech yeah. in all its directions. <laughs> Perfect. So you're living with a load of comedians. Yeah. Are you the youngest in the house? I am, actually. Yeah, the others are, like, in their 30s, and I'm still in my late 20s. So that's still in your <laughs> late 20s. You have a very fresh look, Jamie. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. I had no idea what you looked like because I don't know what everybody looks like before they come out, and I'm excited to meet them. And Jamie is in the woodfuck category. <laughs> what? <laughs> we can cancel the podcast here, guys. Cheers, guys. <laughs> what category am I in? Well, you know, I'm excited because you're a Canadian. Yes. I have a strong affinity with Canadians. Oh, good. Celine Dion, Shania Twain, Alanis Morissette. Some of our best exports. Yes. A super twink, Justin Bieber. Oh, major bottom. Brian Adams, who my friend Lady Lloyd says she fucked once, but we don't know if we believe her, but I don't not believe her. Yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah, and who are you living with when you're at the fringe? You're on your Myself, own. Myself, because yeah. I'm trying to stay sane. That's I cannot live with other comedians. Yeah, that sounds like the dream. Yeah, and I, I'm just too much of a, I'm a grown-up. I need, actually, I got some offers to live with 
you know, 16 other comedians in a four bedroom flat. And I'm mm. like, mm, I'd rather sandpaper my pussy. Thank you so much <laughs> for that fantastic offer. But if you lived with 16 comedians, you could get them to sandpaper your pussy for you. That's true. That's yeah, true. You've got to that think is about very that. true. I missed out. The only thing I will say, one year I didn't live with comedians. I lived with musical theater people. Oh, no. No offense if that's anyone here. But again, not sorry. They were... <laughs> Oh my God. I was just staying on their sofa, one point at four in the morning, one of them comes downstairs into the kitchen naked, just doing arpeggios. Just going, la, la, oh la, my la, God. La, la. No. And no. at least comedians. Arpeggios is a sex act for anyone confused. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that was free. Oh, that would be traumatic. worse than living with like an improv troupe, I feel. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can I throw up on the mic if you yeah. can swear? That's what you know, I was thinking recently that I like, Improv, when it's done brilliantly, is such a wonderful thing. Yeah. So I w was like, oh, how wonderful. Wouldn't it maybe be fun to do some? <laughs> I went and watched some improv to get myself in the mood and was like, yeah, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of not good until it's good. <laughs> I don't know if I can go through the discomfort of it all. Bad yeah. improv is perhaps one of the worst things out there. Yeah. But great improv is amazing. amazing. Yeah. But it's that in-between or the bad, like, woof, I can't do it. <laughs> it's a bit like ketamine. Yeah. Like, if it's good, it's good. And yeah. if it isn't good, time itself stops. <laughs> Facts. Have you, ever have you ever tried improv yourself? I actually used to work for Second City, oh, which wow. is like the world's largest improv organization. And the whole time I worked there, I worked in the corporate division. And they would always be like, you should do it, you should do it. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a real comedian. I do stand up and they didn't like, love that so much. <laughs> I just like to be a bit of a salty bitch. Have you done it? Um, once. And? And we died really hard. Because me, me and my two mates did it because we were like, improv's easy. Let's just give it a go. Yeah. Just to see what it's like. And then we just ate shit for five minutes. I don't think mm. it's easy, but for me, I'm, I'm really hyper competitive. And you're probably, you're a performer, you're a solo performer, right? So you, do you like the act of being on stage by yourself and you either win or fail alone? Well, yeah, essentially, yes, but in, if you, in my shows in London, I'm usually accompanied by a musician, so they're mm. playing the piano or something, but I often request specifically that the piano not also be on stage. Yeah. I'm like, can that be down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want anyone to pull focus. No, exactly, <laughs> and you shouldn't. Look at you. I know, and I have a real issue with people who are more attractive than me. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry that I'm here then. <laughs> no, it's, it's well. It <laughs> must be hard for you right now. Well, actually, it, the image is a big part of your show. Um, yeah. So this is. might be an interesting area to discuss. So, Kate, your show is called Losing Myself, which yeah. you're doing at the Tron Theatre at 9, 9 p.m.-ish yep. every day. Yeah, 9 p.m. Um, every day. But So we know you're Canadian. Yes. Um, but tell us a bit more about your identity, that what's brought you into this particular show, Losing Yourself. You've been through some changes. I have been through some changes. So it's a very different show than the one I was going to bring to the fringe in 2020 when I was originally planning to debut. And I went through a lot of stuff through the pandemic as we all did and kind of took stock and thought about our lives and everything. And I ended up losing 13 and a half stone in the last couple of years. So Fucking a hell. significant amount. <laughs> yeah. Where did you put it? Yeah, exactly. I shit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I talk about that. So wait, 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 wait. So this was purposeful weight loss. Yes. Okay. So yeah. you'd have to be quite purposeful about it. Yeah. Because I found at the end of the lockdown, like I genuinely started walking again, you mm. know, like going outside and walking places and like lost some weight that I had gained quite quickly just from walking. Walking is the most underrated, best form of exercise it's out good. there. It's really, really good. And here, like 
at Fringe, I've been doing 20,000 steps a day. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, it was intentional weight loss and I started therapy and I did all these things. I just figured when the world has stopped for the first time ever and I have mm. not been crazy and running around doing gigs and working, if I can't sort of sort this part of my life out, then when will I be able to do that? Right. So I took that opportunity to do it. And the show is about... I'm, I'm a club comic, first and foremost, so it's about dating and sex and relationships and being crass and everything, but also losing the weight and what does it mean and loving yourself and hating everyone else and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> that last part is easy for me. Yeah. Um, I sort of do like people, but a lot of them, no thanks. Um, so Jamie, your show, slightly mm -hmm. different um, uh, show from Losing Yourself, you're doing Stop Drawing Willies on My Poster. Yeah. <laughs> It's a stupid name, isn't it? Well, tell us about that. Who's been drawing willies on your poster? <laughs> well, because I'm an idiot, so that's why it's called that. I, my hand's like there on the poster, so it looks like... So, uh, yeah. What is the so, hand actually doing? Because I know they're obviously making it look like... Yeah, that's what I'm trying... Yeah, the hand's just out there. Oh. I guess it is to draw... I said stop drawing willies on my poster, but really, I just want people to draw willies on my poster. Really. I see. Yeah. But that's not what the show's not about. That like you don't oh, have to bring okay. a sharpie or anything. The, the show's about me being a teenager, but being a, a little boy at school, and it's about my first crush. And um, to impress my first crush, right, I started an emo band to impress her, wow. which was not very impressive. <laughs> I think no. we were really crap. But that was an era, right? I feel like I'm in my early thirties. You're in your late twenties. Mm -hmm. We remember the emo times. Yeah. Like so tell us a bit about the, I mean, how do you start? And could you play an instrument or was it just yeah. mostly fringes? No, yeah, well, it was, uh, yeah, we could only see out of one eye. So that's probably why our image was so bad, I think, in fairness. But I think we, I played the keyboard and mm -hmm. sometimes the guitar. Oh, Ooh. that's a sexy instrument. Yeah, yeah. not very emo. Quite, you know. No, that's not very, that's like <laughs> very 80s. Strangely oh. enough, there's something about the dexterous element that might be appealing to women. Yeah, do you still yeah. think he's fuckable after hearing yeah. you play the guitar? <laughs> I Wait don't till know. Or has that dried you up and you're, <laughs> you're I feel like a didgeridoo might be a better instrument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. Or a kazoo probably would be better. Yeah, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now wait, so so wait, isn't it because you kind of just like a tiny didgeridoo? It's yeah, it's those little like <laughs> I yeah. can't make the noise. But you, you know have to make the noise yourself. Do you know that? You don't just blow into mm. it. You have wait, to don't you? No, if you blow into it, nothing happens. You have to blow into it, going and then <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm like, I could do that without. Because well, you are a blowing expert from what I hear, so... <laughs> Listen, my mouth... Uh, <laughs> my mouth should have its own show at the Fringe. Um, sucking cock in a bin. Um, so, emo band, unsuccessful? Unsuccessful? Oh, incredible. I mean, we only did gigs in our sort of village hall. And once we did one at a school assembly. But That's big time for oh, a kid. Yeah, it was big time, actually. Was, I mean, to be fair, school assembly would have been like 400 people there, I guess. Yeah, that's how many people big. does your fringe venue see? It's <laughs> <laughs> probably um, more. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, about 10 times bigger. Yeah, so that yeah. is good. I mean, we have an intimate gathering here, so I'm impressed with 400. Now, is yeah. that the most extreme thing that you've ever done? Or perhaps, I don't know, Kate, have you done something wild to catch the eye done. of a lover or f potential lover? Oh, I used to do, I was just so fucked up. I'm like a hopeless romantic, and I talk about that in my show. So I would kind of manufacture those moments that wouldn't exist. And I would try to set up, like I was at a school dance once and I, uh, I had this crush on this boy and I, and I think the teacher knew it so she forced him to ask me to dance because I was like the fat, awkward kid standing by the food table. So he came up and he's like, do you want to dance with me? And I was like, oh my God, he's in love with me. 
He's, and he basically had a gun to his head, threatening him that he had to dance with me or else he'd have detention or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is my moment to shine. So I just did weird shit like that because I was just like this little puppy dog following boys around. And they were like, get out of here, Chubster. No way. <laughs> Chubster. I saw in, uh, when I was just reading my notes for our conversation and, and it said Canadian. I, I was just scribbling my notes in a shorthand way and picking out the bits I thought might be something interesting to talk about. And I wrote Canadian fat awkward. Um, which yeah, that's about right. Sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> Have you been talking to my mother? There's a, there's a theme. There's a theme. There's a theme that I feel is like so much within our fringe of today. But I. People keep telling me this was never always the case, but like there's uh, almost a therapeutic aspect to people's comedy writing that, of, mm. the, of recent years. You know, we're a generation, I suppose, who are thinking about how to live better and how to be better versions of ourselves. But that seems to inform so much of what comedians are writing. You can see that in so many of the posters for the shows around the city. You know, people are telling you yeah. about their ADHD or about their, I don't know, lisp. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, <laughs> struggling with my lisp. No offense to lisp people out there. Um, yeah, I think the, the thing is, I think comedians are just trying to connect, and the best comedians are the ones who are the most authentic. Mm. So whatever it is, I mean, it's really easy to make people laugh. Oh, it's not easy, but for a pro comedian... I said that to my crowd last night. <laughs> yeah, for a pro comedian, but you know how to work a club. You can work a room, you can make people laugh, but connecting with people and sharing those authentic stories and doing them in a funny way and being able to have those moments is something that's not easy to do. So for me, I like to take it as a challenge. I think there's sort of two types of comedians. One who goes, what does the audience want to hear? And those are like those are easy jokes to make, you know, the hacky kind of jokes. And then there's the second type of comedian that says, what do I want to say? Mm. And I think being on stage, having a room full of people who are focused on you, who are not on their phones, hopefully most of the time, and listening to you, I think there is a responsibility in that. Mm -hmm. And I think you should be or hopefully want to say something that's worth fucking talking about. I mean, don't get me wrong, mixed in, I have a lot of dick jokes and talk about how men are trash. Sorry, not sorry. Um, all of that kind of stuff in there, and it's funny, but I think, yeah, I don't know, I think, so comedians are just going, I want to be more real on stage. I think everyone after the pandemic is just saying, I want to be more fucking real. Mm -hmm. Cut the bullshit kind of yeah. vibes. It's, yeah. My show is pretty much 99% bullshit. There's room for that I mean, there's room for everything. But it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, though. Like, oh, listen, my other show is me getting drunk with middle-aged women. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. So that sounds like <laughs> Thursday to me. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> At midday. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. Um, do you, I wouldn't say middle age, though. How no, old are you? These were the youngest ladies there, actually. Okay, these two ladies say. that are sitting here today <laughs> by, by a considerable amount. <laughs> um, do you always know, though, what it is that you want to say until you've... Some, so I was talking, one of our guests the other day was Diane Spencer. I don't know if you've seen her show yet, but she was saying that she doesn't always know what the theme of a show is until she's written it. And actually, <clears throat> she's able to sort of work out the theme once she's done it a little bit, maybe done mm -hmm. it live a few times. And then she's like, ah, this is what I'm working through. This is actually what I'm trying to talk about. This is what I'm trying to say. You don't always set out with the goal. The goal <laughs> sort of reveals itself. Yeah, I think my show formed itself after because I was doing all of these types of jokes and then how they started coming together and I was working with Gina Lyons who's a fantastic TV comedy producer and she's directing my show and she kind of helped me frame it and put it together and went like move this here do this so and it came together in something that you know 
eight months ago, I would not have thought it was the show it, it is today. Mm. And I'm really, really proud of the show that it is today, but it looked very different a while back. So I completely get where that means when you're just kind of putting stuff together and I'm trying stuff out in clubs and you can't try out really the more sincere heartfelt material on a Saturday night in a comedy club because the drunk London audiences will tell you to fuck off. Like <laughs> they don't want to hear that shit at all. Right. So yeah, I, I get that for sure. Was that how yours, did yours just sort of come together? Or? Well, I think mine actually started with the story first because I just wanted to talk about the band really because I'm actually secretly quite proud of our band even though like everyone thought we were shit. Can so. I ask what it was called? Yeah, yeah. Happily, we were called Tear Me Down. Tear uh, me down. Check us out on SoundCloud. Are you on SoundCloud? Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually talk about it in the show, but my mate who set up this, he's forgotten the password. So we, <laughs> we can't take it down. It's just going to be there forever. Yes. <laughs> or until the servers in Norway melt. Yeah, exactly. People yeah. are praying for that day. <laughs> yeah, that might, that might come. Yeah. The band is totally inactive now. Yeah. It's gone. Very sad. And what happened yeah. to the girl? She's still alive. Well, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> she... Uh, yeah, there's not too many spoilers to say she is still alive. Ah, oh, boo. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted a, a tragic I mean, outcome. I like a tragic ending. It's real, real yeah. romance, well, hopefully right? Next year's show, she might pass away. But yeah, then, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. Be nice, I mean, you'll be it? the number one suspect, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. for Do sure. You know? Yeah, you could even <laughs> arrange that so that you've got something to write about. You know how, like, from tragedy springs yeah. beauty. Yeah. Imagine the press you'd get. Do you all promise not to call the police, though? Because <laughs> this is getting a bit dark, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're encouraging a straight man to kill a woman. I'm not sure yeah. my feminist... Yeah. Oh, I wasn't planning to, just to be clear. We'll see. Okay, right, that silence suggests that maybe you thought I was. Well, as we contemplate the possible murder of this poor woman, <laughs> <laughs> a question that has been hovering in my mind is wondering whether or not you feel like the work that you create, because comedy... Um, obviously, it's, it's, uh, well, it's about making people laugh, which is quite a generous impulse, although it can also be selfish as well because we like to have a microphone, we like to be looked at, we like to have the adulation. In fact, maybe a good place to start with, with where, I'm, where I'm thinking is, do you think uh, comedy is, is, is generous or selfish or both or one more than the other? I mean, what's your feeling about that as a performer? What do you think? Um, I think comedians are well selfish. Mm. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I mean, I really like making people have a good time and being able to just forget about the bullshit that is on the other side of the door, you know, and they can just sit and relax and just not think and connect and laugh for an hour around people and have that contagious energy. But also, I love approval. And I am a bit of a narcissist, as we all are, um, sitting up here. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a bit... I mean, I'll speak for myself on that. Yeah. I won't assume you're a narcissist, but... Um, <laughs> I am an arch narcissist. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it, maybe it's a bit of both. But I genuinely, like, you you must get something out of it. I had a grown man in my crowd the other day. He left my show. It is funny, but he left. He could not stop crying. And oh, he wow. was like, how touching it was and how moving it was. And that feels really amazing to mm. be able to, to do that with somebody. To touch a man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I, but I feel like I like making people laugh. But I feel like... It's, I feel like with comedians, it's more for them, it's still for themselves. Mm. Yeah. It's not, it's not for the joy of making other people laugh, because they can be like, oh, I just made you laugh. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Because then we've all had gigs where somebody, the audience is laughing and you'll go, oh, that was shitty. Yeah, yeah. That was a <laughs> shitty gig. And everyone's like, no, you did great. And you're like, fuck off. What yeah, do you yeah. know? <laughs> you know nothing, you dum-dums. <laughs> do you think it's diffusing anxiety, um, Jamie, when you think about like, we want to make people laugh, and is that because, like, why, why is that? 
What's the point? He starts desperately seeking validation. Thing, mm. isn't yeah, it, it goes back to childhood. It's one oh, of those. Yes. Mm. Don't deep, you deep, think? Deep. Don't th- do you think there's something in you that like made you want to be a performer? Well, I think there's. I think you could think of it as that. Yes, it's that making people laugh ha- serves a social function, but I also think it almost serves a spiritual function. Mm. I quoted this yesterday, so listeners to the podcast will probably roll their eyes and be like, here she goes again, talking about Liza Minnelli. But Liza Minnelli said, <laughs> she was asked in an interview, like, What's, what was the best advice your mother, Judy Garland, ever gave you? And she said, um, that life isn't going to be easy, but have a laugh. <laughs> And to me, I'm like, that's literally it. Like the yeah. antidote to, you know, whatever the weight of being might be. So uh, yeah, it serves a social thing, but also I'm kind of like, <laughs> I would literally just rather we were all laughing. 100%. You know, not mm-hmm. when, you know, not at this poor girl's funeral next year. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I am the person who laughs at a funeral. Like I will be for <laughs> sure the person who like will crack a joke about like, we'll find this girl's body in the <laughs> bin and I'd be making jokes probably. <laughs> Off to the side of it. Not right away. I'm not that crass, but, you know, five minutes later. Looking in the audience, do you know what I'm talking about? Do, I mean, I don't know. You might not have the same type of humor. Everyone's humor is a bit different. I'm looking at you too. Do you feel that? Perhaps not. Perhaps. Well, I'm a tortured soul, you see. Uh, deep and dark are the recesses of my sad, broken heart. Tears of a clown. Um, yeah, so where I wanted to go with that. Was, I was like, what? Where are we going with this? I want to I like that. Well, so then I was thinking. So in these conversations, I'm just like, I don't want to. I don't want to feel over overly structured. And so each day, I'm thinking different things. I'm seeing different comedy and mm. stuff around. So it makes me think. Do you think that being a comedian, in a way, can make you a better person? Thinking about it, is it generous? Is it selfish? Does the act of, you know, trying to be funny is you know? I think it. Oh, no, no, no. I think it does make you more confident. Like at school, I was really, really shy and quiet, and then I started doing comedy, and now I'm feel a bit more confident. Mm. Like I, I love chatting to, um, like people behind the till now. That's like my favourite mm. thing in the world, which I never would do before. Right. It, only if they want to, obviously. Where, where is it that you live, Jamie? I know that it, that you're of. You want a specific address yeah, so yeah. you can go there afterwards. I can take Forty Two <laughs> Shepherd's Close in Stains is where I live. <laughs> in Stains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is Stains is outside London. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's where Thorpe oh, you, Park you know is. It? Yeah, I talk about Thorpe Park in the show. Do oh you like Thorpe go- Park? I fucking love Thorpe Park. It's the best, isn't it? Yes. Oh my goodness. Are you guys I- from Stains as well. Yeah, that's actually much cooler, yeah. Well, You've probably cooler. been on the little <laughs> shuttle bus to Thorpe Park. That's how you know Stains. <laughs> What's your favourite ride at Thorpe Park? Stealth. Been on Stealth? Which or Tidal Wave? Actually, I've been on all of them. I just don't remember what they are. I've never well, been on... The, I don't, like, really... I haven't really gone on rides. I used to not be able to fit on rides. Oh, my goodness. And, and we grew up really, really poor, so my mom... We would go to those kind of fairy festival things, and we just walk around and like maybe eat something and then leave because we couldn't afford any of the rides either. Oh, you need to go and get mm. on these rides. I know. Now that I can be safely strapped in, yeah, I should yeah. probably go. I could show you around. Get yeah. you free t- I think my like little sister works, like has a mate that works there, so you can get a free ticket. This, maybe th- we're going to fuck, yeah. actually. <laughs> hey. Who knows? I don't want to show off, guys. His favorite, that's a good offer. Friend you just want to make sure he keeps the condom on because he just told us his favorite ride is <laughs> stealth. That is true. <laughs> That is true. And he's also talked about killing a woman, so maybe I should like... And I'm a male comedian as well. And he's a male comedian, which is just the worst type. Poor Jamie, we're luring you into being horribly misrepresenting yourself. No, Um, let's get him cancelled. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to cancel myself after this. (laughs) So Jamie, in Stains, because I I think like... uh, 
I live in London, but I'm from here. So even when I come back, it's like it's like logging out on the computer and logging in as a different user because as soon as I'm around Scottish people, I want to talk all the time. But I don't. That's not what I'm like in London. I don't want to talk to the cashier in London. Really? Oh, absolutely not. Leave me alone. <laughs> But up here, oh, fucking, I'm skipping around. I'm like, good yeah. morning, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre. I mean, what do you think of coming up here? Do you feel people are friendly? Yeah, people are well friendly here. Oh, yeah. people are so friendly. Yeah, I love yeah. it, though, because lots of Londoners are like, oh, well, they're all talking to me, but I like it. Yeah. I like people talking to me. I think I need more friends, actually. That's what I'm starting to realise. <laughs> I think that's clearly what the issue is. I kind of like that London is like, you just... I, I've definitely been one of those people who's like been crying on the central line and people just go, ugh, yeah. and turn away. And I'm like, good, that's how it should be. <laughs> Get away from me. Like, I sort of like that. But I do like talking to customer service people. I'm always, yeah. I always try to be extra nice to customer service people because I've worked in customer service for so long yeah. that like I think everyone should have to work in retail or like at a bar or something because it's a hard job. It is hard. And everyone here who like manages the front of house and everything, like they get treated like shit and it's a hard job, so you should be extra nice. Oh, I totally agree with that. Although sometimes I try to be very nice on the phone. You know, when you get a call, maybe it's O2 or something like that, and you're talking away. I always think, or if I phone the bank, this is usually what happens, I phone the bank, and I'm like, God, they, they must be quite bored. So I always try, try to amuse them because I'm like, I'm bored. So I'll say that my actual surname is Glow, right? It's actually Glow, which oh, always surprises cool. um, the, ba the bank man on the phone. And so I'm like, yes, Glow, like a little glow worm. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> like no response. Or, you know, Glow, like a... A lamp or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Literally nothing. And I'm like, I'm trying to brighten your fucking day, Patrick. Could you please cheer up? And nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So it doesn't always pay back, you know? No, it doesn't yeah. always pay back. I, I like it when you're chatting to a customer service person. You sort of you break through it and they say something quite unprofessional. That's my favorite thing. Oh, yeah. They're like, like, I like getting them to slag off the previous customer. <laughs> oh, that's or a when, lot of fun. when servers, I went to a restaurant last night and I was with a friend of mine and she, she's like, all the food here is like very bland. I'm used to spicier food, like more sort of flavorful food. Can you recommend something? And the girl at the restaurant's like, nah, to be honest, this food's quite crap. If I'm being <laughs> really honest with you. And we're like, anything out of that? And she goes, I'll tell them to spice it up a bit, but it's not very good food. <laughs> and we're just like, Jesus. Yeah, I like that honesty, though. Yeah, well, mm, me too. 100%. I hate how, like, when you're in a role, when you're working, you're in a role, right? And mm. so you then suddenly stop being a person. You become an ambassador for the demands of that role. And it's so fucking annoying. For example, if you've ever got the wrong train ticket, right? It's expensive to get from London to Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's so expensive now, yep. actually. See, when I was under 26, you got fucking 30% off. That was a long time ago. Mm. And I've, I've been on the wrong train before. And then the train guard doesn't want to... He tells me I'm going to be arrested at the next station because <laughs> if I don't get off the train, because all this stuff. Nonsense. Oh, I play the dumb immigrant. I'm like, I'm just a stupid... Even though I'm Canadian, I always go, I'm a dumb American. Mm. I don't know. I'm so dumb, dumb. And they go, oh, Americans are I, dumb. Don't I worry. Don't, I've pretended that I literally can't speak English before. I'm so... <laughs> honestly, I'm so good at getting up. The other thing I do, right? And you should just... Keep all your tickets, right? And then every now and then, if you don't have a ticket, what you do is you get the whole wadge of them out. And then when the train goes... So they know it, that is a good no, fucking no, but then, tip. But I've done this before, right? This is when I was 16. It was a bit more like bullshit. But I'd be like, is that the ticket? And oh, like, no. my God. And I'd go like that. And I'd do that. And I, I did that once for like 10 minutes. You just got bored. She got bored. I was going to yeah. say, until she died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how you this wear how women people. down yeah. and have sex with them. Do you want to have sex with me now? How about now? How about now? And they go, fucking fine. Put it in, Jamie. Jesus Christ.
God, I've been painted out to be a horrible, horrible man. <laughs> 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 what have you heard about me? <laughs> 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 what are these things? No, you're a very lovely, lovely you man. You are lovely. Sorry, I was you're very lovely. No, but it is always the ones you least suspect. So. That's true. That's true. Now, so I, I'm curious about the both of you. So Kate and Jamie, um, are either of you in relationships? Nope. I am seeing someone, yes. Uh, but in my show, I say that you're I'm... not? Yeah. So that's because the demands of the role have superseded... Your yeah. ability to be an honest person now, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I, You've got to tell I was, these but jokes. I am, uh, yeah, I am seeing someone. Because um, is it hard for a person to date a comedian is what I'm wondering. Yeah, I think it takes a certain type of person, especially, you know, it's a really male-dominated industry. I'm out all the time. I'm at bars. I do get some indecent proposals afterwards. People offering to buy you drinks or sliding into the DMs and asking for you to sit on their face or whatnot. <gasps> Um, and so that's and why we go into the business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it takes somebody rather secure to to know that you can be up there and talking about. And I talk about sex and dating and all of those types of things. Um, and he's he's super secure and confident and just goes like, you know, he knows it's a bit of a, it's an amplified version of myself and a, mm. a bit of a character. So he he gets that and he he's totally fine with that. He doesn't doesn't care. But I've dated some guys that are very uncomfortable with it like yeah. I never led that I was a comedian and they would find out sometimes and one time I went out with someone and then he went I found your material and I was like okay and he goes it's disgusting <laughs> No. Way. and I was like are you serious he goes yeah I'm not gonna date somebody who's gonna talk about our dating life what? at all on stage I thought he was gonna say disgusting it's really funny no, he no, he thing. thought it was like absolutely appalling. But I That's yeah, crazy. I have had someone say that to me before. At Edinburgh in 2019, I came up and did some compilation spots, and this older Scottish gentleman came up to me, and I was like, he was making a beeline right for me, and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be awful. And his wife, it was this older, and I was like, oh god, this is gonna be awful. And he went, you are the most disgusting, <laughs> hilarious woman I've ever heard in my entire oh. life. He's a guy I've never heard a woman speak like that. It was brilliant. Keep going. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I love Scottish people. That's great. Yeah. And Jamie, what about yourself? I mean, you're single? Um, yeah, single, but... Um, not I a killer for any women not, listening. Not a murderer, not a murderer. But um, I, yeah, I always find it quite hard because it's quite hard to find time to see. Yeah. Because... You, obviously, we're busy in the evening. If they've got a day job, they're busy in the day. It's quite hard to like find time to see people. Yeah, mm. you sort of have to make yeah. it work. Are you seeing someone? No, I only. I don't even exist in corporeal form. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that new ABBA concert. I'm just a hologram. That new ABBA concert. <laughs> I do not get the appeal. Why would you pay money to go see a fucking hologram? Why don't you I well, I have YouTube? paid money, and I'm going. <laughs> I'm I mean, brilliant people pay money to see. No, I'm going. It's actually my like thing I'm doing when I get back to London. I really? Think, I think we finish up here on the Monday and on the Thursday I'm going. But you must remember okay. that I have to sing about 15 ABBA songs a week. Oh, okay. Wow. You know, because... Can I ask what your favorite ABBA song is? Mm. My favorite ABBA song is A Slow One Would Be The Day Before You Came. The fast one is Lay All Your Love On Me. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah choice. good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. I went to the ABBA Museum in Stockholm right. a few months ago. That was very, very cool, I will say. Oh, it had like sick. all their costumes and the way they used to film and things from like Mamma Mia and stuff and it was and all their awards and everything. It was quite cool to to do that. Have you have you done that, the ABBA experience? Thing? No, but if I go to Stockholm, which I surely will at some point because yeah. all of the boys are gorgeous. 
Um, yes. And then I'll have two reasons to go. I mean, I'll they're a little too white for me, but yeah. That's true. <laughs> they're very white up there. They're very, they're like... Mm. Blue white, they're so white. <laughs> Blue white, <laughs> like so. You need to put them in the microwave. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not that I'm any different. I'm pretty neon white myself, but you know. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were saying though that um, that so someone you were dating was surprised by the content of your show. Yeah. That suggests that maybe your humor interpersonally is different from your humor on stage. Yeah, I mean, I was, I've been told, I think I'm pretty, like, how I am right now is pretty well how I, how I am, but if I start dating somebody, I'm not, I'm going to be a little bit more, I don't know if ladylike is the right way mm. to say it, or whatever, but I, I'm probably not as blunt and brutal and telling, you know, he saw a clip where right away I was talking to a man about sitting on his face in the front row, and talking about his dick and everything like that so it's quite aggressive <laughs> right off the bat so I think he was startled by that it was quite a contrast and I have had comedians before say they found that I'm quite different off stage to on stage mm. but yeah. I don't know. are you the same on stage do you think I think I'm pretty much the same to be honest yeah I think I'm like a bad actor so I think if I tried to be something else people just be like what what's that French accent he's doing do you know what I mean <laughs> like, what was he? so do you so Jamie is there a sort of would you say there's less of a persona in your onstage self than? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm pretty similar off stage and on stage, which is, I guess, quite boring, really. But well, no, I think it, I actually so think it's what quite a interesting. Sell. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the actor Daniel Radcliffe said, "I, by the way, am an encyclopedia of things actors and actresses have said for some reason." But Daniel Radcliffe that. said that, being that he was famous when he was like 13, um, he found that. It, it was really important to keep who he actually is as close to who he is publicly as possible mm. because the gap between those two is literally it's where like so many stars have gone mad or not understood what their value is to the people who care about them and you know Marilyn Monroe saying people go to bed with Marilyn Monroe and I can't remember and they wake, wake up with wake Norma up Jean Norma, yeah, wake <laughs> up with Norma Jean exactly yeah. <laughs> imagine going to bed with me um, <laughs> and you wake up um, <clears throat> well, sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I think that's probably quite a good thing that for you, you could actually kind of walk on stage and be like, hi guys, here I am. And like, boom, you're going, you don't need to change gear. Yeah. The bad thing is that I can't, I don't know if you're the same, but like, you know, some people are like, I'm having a really bad day, but then I get on stage and it's just all goes. I'm like, if I'm in a bad mood, I just go on stage in a bad mood. Yeah, it's really hard to pull out of that. Yeah, and I'm just like rude to the audience and stuff, which sometimes can, that's, can be all right. But that, you know I mean? I've People seen actually comedians, like that. yeah, do really, yeah. really well when they're like, and they're in a bad mood or really depressed or something has just happened and they go on stage and they have f hilarious material because yeah. they just are riffing and just going and you can see like they don't care. Yeah. And it's oh, not that they don't care, but there's this, it's just a different. It's a bit of yeah. a fuck it. But that's yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a fuck it. Let's just fucking go for it. And the audience is taken aback by it, going, like, mm, what is yeah. happening? I do better when I'm in a bad mood. I know a lot I of comedians who are like that. Because like, I think normally I, I can be quite apologetic on stage, but when I'm just like annoyed about something, yeah. I'll be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty like, shut the fuck up in general yeah, on yeah. stage. So I am who I am on stage and in person, but I say it's a little bit more amplified version on stage. But I am, you know, yeah, more, more or less the same. Beyonce Knowles says that she <laughs> performs better when she's pissed. 
Like if her and Jay-Z have had an argument, she'll go out there and be like, yeah, fuck you. And then oh. bam, here it comes. Yeah. I thought you meant pissed drunk then. I no. really <laughs> love the, the idea oh, of Beyonce saying like, yeah, it was probably yeah, shit I don't face. think she has fun. Do you think Beyonce no, has fun? No, I don't fun? think she no has way. fun. No. I think she's like, I don't know. I mean, obviously I respect her and she's a I, hustler. Me too, and she, me too. You know, we all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. But she seems quite, she's done a very good job at hiding who she is from the public. Like, I don't right. think anyone really knows who she is at all, but I don't know how much fun she has in her life. No, I feel like, I mean, I have no idea. But yeah, obviously. who knows? I mean, she's a bajillionaire. She's probably like living great. There's like nothing there. But yeah. you know, when people are like very good at something from a young age, they often don't have to, you know, develop. Well, that's person. it. She's been going since she was a kid she with her dad. She has been in mm. heels doing fucking on the treadmill. Her dad used to make her run on the treadmill and sing. So I know, her, I've heard her, about her this car, too. Yeah. Which is also what I do, by the way, just oh to God. prepare myself for a I show. mean, your heels, I'm not a heel girl. I cannot do it. Uh, especially you? in Edinburgh and on these fucking cobblestones. Yeah, that's, no, no, that's no. crazy. I know. Do you not wear heels, Jamie? Well, <laughs> I've, I've tried them on before and walked around them. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'll wear them in bed, but other than that, as soon as, <laughs> yeah. I, as, soon as I'm getting <laughs> up, I go take them the fuck yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, just to hold my ankles in the air. How do Edinburgh <laughs> women do the cobbles of the Royal Mile? Is that, are you from Edinburgh in the, in the front row? You also have cobbles in Yeah, them. loads of cobblestones. What happens? Do women just, just get fall over a lot more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's true. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a boot camp. Or oh, I was in Birmingham recently oh, gigging, I'm sorry. and I yeah, trust me. And uh, a lot of the the uh, <clears throat> ladies up there were having a shoes off in the hand, walking about mm. in their bare feet, which is just. Absolutely not. To me, that is just yeah. next level. No, 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 no. I just you know, wear flats. If you can't do it. There's some towns in the UK, like you might look out for this when you're going like touring and going to different cities. Um, there are some towns where it's like acceptable for the girls at the end of the night to take their heels off and just walk through the street carrying their heels, you know? Is it ever... Wait for me, Darren! You know, yeah. Sort of yeah. Is I it ever that's... acceptable though? I think it's well, so but they, they do it freely and I... I don't think I have ever seen someone do that in London. I think it's an iconic Oh, I've seen ever. it in London, but really? I'm always like, you're not from here. Yeah. You're really? I think that's, in Staines people do that, but it's like an iconic thing. Like a very iconic. British thing. Like heels in one hand, like kebab in the other. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> is a very British thing. You just yeah, had a good yeah, night Using out. the that's end of had. your heel as a, like, as a fork. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Are you just describing your ideal woman now? Pretty much, actually. Yeah, kebab in one yeah, hand, yeah. heels in the other. No what dignity or self-respect. <laughs> that's your girl. <laughs> Life in stains. What an exciting corner of the world. Now, I wonder if any of our audience members have any questions. I should have told you at the start, if you have any questions about the great art of comedy and you've always wanted to ask somebody. We have two captured comedians sitting right here in front <laughs> of us. Um, no, it's in oh, no. That's a really good question. I'll, re I'll repeat that for, yeah. for the listeners of the podcast because they, they might not be able to hear you. So a lovely lady is asking, what happens when the mind goes blank on stage? So you've prepared your material, but you don't fucking remember it. And that does happen. So that, that is a great question. That absolutely does happen. I think that must happen to every oh, comedian. Yeah. You kind of can riff. Um, sometimes you can see it. And sometimes we'll think it's going on forever, but it could be maybe five or 10 seconds. So it mm. feels like a long time. Maybe you have a drink of water or walk on the stage or do whatever. The other thing that happens that I'm sure this happens to you, and it happened to me the other night in the show, where you're so far ahead in your 
in your brain of going, what's next? What material? This person's doing this, this person. So your mouth is moving and you're doing your jokes, but you're 10 steps ahead and going, I forgot that line. This person's over here. Maybe I'll address this. And you're not even present in the moment. It's almost like mm. this out of body. Does that happen to you? Oh yeah, constantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But That's a weird thing that yeah. happens. I think when I go blank though, I do just, I'll just like chat to the crowd for a bit. Yeah. I, I think like a lot of comics just start chatting to the crowd and yeah, then you yeah. kind of go, oh, I'm b right back on point. Yeah. <laughs> but that it for sure happens. And that getting, does that ever happen to you? Have oh, you? It, it, during this conversation, it, it happens because doing, doing the talk show format, when I've been doing the podcast, uh, when we started it coming out of the pandemic, we do it via Zoom because we can't get some of these guests yeah. to be where I am or whatever. Of course. And so it's really intimate, really face to face, but trying to talk, and we do it all the time, we talk to groups of people, but talking to two people, but also trying to keep a, a mind on the audience. It's like my mind's split into different parts. Yeah. And then there's another part of my mind that's literally like, ooh. I wonder what I'm going to have for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like this happens during songs. I'll be doing a show and I'll be singing like um, What Makes a Man a Man. And it's the, it's the most beautiful song by Charles Aznavour. It's, it's heartbreaking. And the pianist is beautifully playing. And I'm singing about like the experience of a gay man in the 60s. And it's so sad. <laughs> Literally. Then I'm like, I wonder who's out tonight. I yeah. wonder if we're going to heaven. <laughs> oh, I wonder if I can get some Coke. Do I have enough money for Coke? Oh, wait a minute. What's the fucking lyric? And it's, yeah. 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 It is, it is this weird out of body when you mm. are, you're mindful of that. And it's something that some of my friends were asking me about because, and when you're doing stand-up, you have a red light at the back of the room that gets flashed. Sometimes there'll be a clock at the back of the room because you have to be really tight and all the shows are timed perfectly. So you have to pay attention to the red light going off. If tech is doing anything, sometimes they'll be like, you have to keep going for longer because the next act's not there. So you got to go longer or wrap it up or do whatever. And then people are doing things and then you want to do your material. There's a lot happening that I think people don't realize is happening. And then you're still trying to make everyone laugh and entertain and act like everything's all cool and there's zero issues happening so it is but you just start getting used to it it's just sort of becomes part of the job really yeah yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. but the out-of-body stuff is weird when you're so far you're 10 yeah. steps ahead of the, what you're doing yeah. and you're like am I even talking right now and you're yeah. like blah 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 I'm on stage I think there's something so much more exposing and nerve-wracking about straight stand-up because that's not what I do right so in my shows there's, just, there's always a song coming up so mm. worst case scenario and it's very I talk a lot to the audience so but, so there's that and then there's always a song you can just go right now we're gonna have a song there's always like an escape clause or there's you know <laughs> what are you drinking sir oh he's thirsty and you have a laugh about that whereas with stand-up I feel like you guys have to you know there's nowhere to hide no there's nowhere to sort of disguise your your fear in a way over. no I saw somebody um on stage the other day and she just you could tell she drew a blank and she had some stuff written on her hand but I guess it wasn't enough and she just went uh she was supposed to be doing 20 minutes of stage time and you could tell she just completely didn't know what to do and she was only 12 minutes into her set and she just walked off the stage. And then the host all of a sudden is at the back of the room oh, having man. a sandwich or whatever going, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I thought I had 10 more minutes. And I'm running up to the stage and people are going, what's going on? And so, and it does happen where people, so if you blank and that happens, I mean, but you can get in a lot of trouble oh. from bookers for that. I saw one of the best underruns I've ever seen. This is quite, this is quite. I An underrun. I didn't know it had oh, a proper name. Well, I don't know. But this, this, there's, this guy came on and he, um, he was just chatting to two girls in the front and they said they were waiting for a mate. And he like, made some joke about how their mate was actually a drug dealer, right? And it got a laugh, whatever. Then like literally three minutes later, um, their mate came, right? And he happened to be a black man, right? And the guy just went, oh, your drug dealer's arrived. Which obviously 
makes sense in context and isn't bad. But right. he just walked in <laughs> and someone went, drug dealers arrived. And he, just, he, he saw he panicked and went, <laughs> and then just put the mic back in and went off stage. Oh, oh yeah. my god! He gosh. did three minutes on stage. I was three pissing minutes. myself in the corner. Oh my god! Yeah, afterwards you <laughs> have to tell yeah, me who it was. Look, it's a dangerous. Thing. Look at all of the possible obstacles and pitfalls of a life on well, stage. Yeah. And sometimes you can call out a crowd member and go like, you know, oh, what's your problem or whatever. And sometimes they'll go, "Don't talk to me." Yeah. And they'll be like a little bit scary about it. I called someone out once, and I was like, "What's your problem?" And you're like, "You're not really laughing." And they went, "Oh, I'm partially deaf. I can't hear everything you're saying." <laughs> okay. And I was like. Fair play. Moving on. I'm not even going to address that or try to make a joke because I'm not going to be that. But that, you know, you have to just be prepared for that kind of stuff as well. There mm. was a th- I was doing a show a couple of weeks ago for a bunch of gays in a gay bar in London at Coo Bar. And there was this older straight couple there and they were down visiting. They had Scottish accents. So immediately I'm like, feel at home. And you can, I think you can be a little bit more on the nose with Scottish people because they really like it. Um, and I can't remember what the guy said, but he brought up something about... He was like, he wanted the wife, uh, his wife to be acknowledged in some way. You know, sometimes it's someone's birthday. Can you say happy yeah. birthday? Well, he wanted me to acknowledge that her uncle had died. Jesus. <laughs> Which I felt was like nothing to do with my show. You know, I'm literally about to sing Kylie Minogue. I just don't know what it's got to do with anything. Then I was like, oh, okay. And then <laughs> she Did went. Did you do it? Well, she went, it was COVID. And I was like, well, we're going here now. So like, okay. And how old was he? And apparently he was like. 71 years old and I was like well to be fair as a Scottish man he has far exceeded his life expectancy (laughs) in Scotland congratulations sometimes you have to kind of lean into this kid yeah exactly Mm. you know but people do that all the time I'll get messages I'll get uh, messages on Instagram going hey, we're going to have a stag do. I know you're performing. You're the headliner or whatever. My buddy this is his name and he's this old and his fiance's name is this and I'm like fuck off yeah. <laughs> no. If they're there and it's happening and I want to talk to them or whatever, but most of that stuff, we're like, get out of here. When I see like a Hindu or a stag do come in, I go, oh. ugh. Mm. The Hindus are worse. Do you th- yeah, they're both pretty bad. Drunk women are just the worst. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Drunk men can be pretty bad as well. Yeah, yeah. If they're too I f- like laddie. I feel like I yeah. might be to blame because often they've been at a drag brunch and then they go and see stand up <laughs> afterwards and I send yes. them off into the world, yeah, heels in hand, gonna... kebab in the other, like they're fucked. <laughs> do you ever do Vauxhall drag brunch? Uh, no, I have my brunch in Soho, but like, I, look, a drag brunch is a drag brunch. People yeah. are fucked. I gig at this club called Vauxhall Comedy Club in Vauxhall and they do a drag brunch yeah. and it's an all you can drink and then they come, part of their ticket is that, then a comedy show. So by the time they come to me, they're just yeah. off their tits drunk. And I'm like, can you even hear me? And they're like, Bleh! and I'm like, great, good talk, everyone. And you just walk around and just be like, you're a slut, you're a slut. And they go, ha, 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 I'm a slut. Now that is going to be me tonight. I don't <laughs> mind slut? telling you all. Well, both actually, both. I'm going to be drunk. I'm going to be a slut. Now, for uh, both of our guests today have shows here at the Edinburgh Festival and you're both doing, I think, the whole run. Yes. Um, we've got Kate Barron with Losing Myself. That's at 9pm at the Tron and Jamie D'Souza has stopped drawing willies on my poster a little bit earlier at 7pm. So you could actually go to both of their shows. You could even yeah. go to Double both of their up. shows tonight. Yeah. Um, thank you everyone uh, here in our, uh, in our wee audience here at Just The Tonic and thank you to all of the listeners at home. Um, join us again next time for the Vanity Project. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.